0: Well, I mistakenly came today thinking that I might be a blessing, (laughs) and the whole opposite has happened. This has not been taped. <laughs> oh, that's not going to be enough. <laughs> uh, <coughs> uh, you know, my, my being here is, is, <coughs> is not for you, really. It's for me. <coughs> I mean, I'm serious. Uh, hopefully, I'll have something to say. <laughs> but... <coughs> but um, Uh, My heart's been encouraged and lifted, and uh, is it this way every week? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, it's terrific, and I am pleased to be here. (coughs) In my role as president of the university, I work with a small group of senior administrators, the vice presidents of the university, Um, And that group is called the Administrative Team. That's our official title, Administrative Team. But I understand that from time to time, uh, with affection, I'm sure, we're called the suits. (coughs) Don't know where they get that idea. I have a tie with my pajamas. I don't know. (laughs) But a couple years ago, I uh, really was led of the Lord to uh, begin the practice of choosing a verse of Scripture for the administrative team for every semester. So it's printed on the agenda for every meeting that we're together. So before we start talking about the business of the day or looking at the uh, financials or trying to envision what we should do in the future, the first thing we do is we read the Scripture. And we pray. And we think about the spiritual Responsibility, which is ours, at the university. <clears throat> Late last summer, I was uh, having my devotions, and I came to a verse of scripture and realized that was the verse for the fall. It's from Psalm fifty-six, and it's one of those verses that I had never read before. Well, in reality, I had read it, I'm sure, often because I've read the scripture and I've read the psalms. But it was one of those moments and you've had them perhaps when you see a verse or you hear a verse as if it was the very first time. And that happened to me last August. It was Psalm 56, 9, which says this, This I know, comma, that God is for me. This I know, that God is for me. There are some things... No, let me rephrase that. There are many things I don't know. I've got lots of opinions. Uh, I've got judgments on all kinds of things. I can talk about almost anything, but in reality, uh, there's a lot I don't know. But this I know, that God is for me. I know it on the authority of God's word. And I know it as I look back across the template of my life. In the dark days and the bright days, uh, at the mountaintop or in the valley, I now can see more clearly than I could see in the moment that God was, in fact, for me. And when a person embraces that truth, it changes you. It makes a difference. Uh, You begin to have confidence. You begin to think about... uh, The possibilities that are there with the Lord. As I read that verse last fall, and then we talked about it all semester, I, I, I thought about Saint Paul when he's writing to the to the Romans, and he and he says, um, "God works in all things for our good." Really, all things. Is that a a typo? Does he really work in all things? The death, the sickness, the heartache. Well, that's what the verse says. And if that verse is not true, then none of the book is true and we're without hope. But it is true. God works in all things. Why? Because, as the psalmist said, this I know. God is for me. I may not know a lot of other things but I'm going to build my life on that conviction. God is for me. St. Paul takes that Romans 8, 28 verse and then launches into one of my favorite passages. What shall we say in response to these things, he says? If God is for us, who can be against us? What a great question. If God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. You have a friend in high places, (laughs) right at the throne of God, interceding for us, interceding for you, interceding for me. The psalmist said, this I know, God is for me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? St. Paul continues, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, emphatically he says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This I know. God is for us. But that was the verse for last semester. Well, the good news is there is no expiration date (laughs) on the Word of God, right? It's just as true today as it was then. It'll be just as true 10 years from now. It's just as true when the dark clouds roll. This I know, God is for me. Well, I'm getting ready now for this new semester, which started just a couple of weeks ago, and I was asking the Lord for a verse. And so over Christmas break, In my devotions, the Lord gave me a verse for this semester. Now, the other verse is still there, but I have a new word. And uh, he gave me really two verses, uh, familiar words, but words that I know are, in fact, God's words for us, for you, this year. It's the text that's on every A-team agenda, but it's also a text for us today. Who knows? what 2018 will bring. How could we have known just a few short weeks ago what our pastor Simone would be facing? We don't know. The truth is we still live in a fallen, broken, uncertain world. Now we have great assurance that there is coming a day when there will be no more sickness, no more death, no more tears. The Bible is quite clear about that. And yet for now, we still live in this kind of middle ground. The kingdom has come, but it has not yet fully come. That's why Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. At the same time, he says, the kingdom is among you. So the kingdom is here, and yet it's not been fully realized. So we still live under this cloud of heartache, sin, and so on. In the midst of that, the Lord has given us a promise and a prescription how to live in this world at this moment. The verses that uh, I bring before you today, uh, the verses for the team this semester, are from Philippians 4, 5, and 6, which says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, that transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We have a prescription and a promise. Let's look at the prescription. It is a prescription for worry, for anxiety. In the face of life's uncertainties, in the face of the the heartache that's still woven into human experience, in the midst of difficulty we might be overcome with anxiety, worry, stress, concern, apprehension, fear, dread, pressure. Left unchecked, those things erode our faith and our confidence, and they steal our joy. So as an antidote to that, St. Paul gives us this prescription. You see, the truth is worry never really empties tomorrow of what might happen. It only empties today of our joy and our confidence. Worry takes a small thing and makes it a big thing. In reality, no amount of regret can change the past. No amount of worry can change the future. Sorrow looks back. Worry looks around. But faith looks up. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this to his disciples. He's just unfolding what life in the kingdom is going to be. He says this, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they, not, uh, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his or her life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith, the scripture says. So do not worry what we shall eat, what we shall drink, what we shall wear. Pagans run after those things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. (coughs) Early in his business career, (coughs) James Cash Penny, who started J.C. Penny Stores, made some unwise investments, got overextended in his commitments, (coughs) and began feel like life was caving in on him, and anxiety took root in his life, and he became consumed with worry so much that he became ill, physically ill. After consulting a doctor, he was placed in the hospital, but his his situation was not improving at all. One night, after several days in the hospital, they gave J.C. Penney a, um, a sedative to help him sleep, but it wore off about halfway through the night. He woke up in the darkness and was convinced he was going to die. So he grabbed a piece of paper, and he wrote a farewell note to his family, folded it, and left it beside the bed, and laid back, waiting to die. He drifted off to sleep, and the next morning, he woke, surprised to still be alive. As he was laying there, he began to hear voices singing from the hospital chapel, which was two doors down from his room. And as he listened, he heard those voices singing, God will take care of you. And he writes in his story that in that moment, something happened. Something wonderful happened. God used that moment to inspire and instill a grain of faith in his life. And he began to believe that God would, in fact, Take care of him. And he goes on to talk about how he began to feel physically better and he got out of the hospital and he said for the rest of his life, though he had issues and problems and all of that, he was never again consumed with worry. I read just this week of a fellow <coughs> who started his own business and uh, <coughs> the business was doing okay, but he, he was fearful that the business was not going to make it. He, he was worried about what would happen to his family. He, he had anxiety about what people would think about him. And so he got an idea. He decided to hire somebody to worry for him. (laughs) So he put a little ad in the paper. He distributed that, and he interviewed widely. And finally, he hired a young man, and he said to the young man, your job is to worry about all the things that could go wrong. How much do I get paid for this? I will pay you $100,000 if you'll just worry for me. The young man took the job. First day at work, he steps into the boss's office and he said, Are you sure you have enough money to pay me? The boss said, That's the first thing you need to worry about. (laughs) Well, rather than hiring somebody to worry for us, Scripture has a better idea. St. Paul, as an antidote to that anxiety, St. Paul gives us a prescription saying that in everything, by prayer and petition, we're to make our requests known to God. Martin Luther said, pray and let God worry. Not bad advice. You see, prayer shifts our focus from the problem to God. It shifts our focus from fear to faith. Somebody suggested that if your knees are knocking, kneel on them. Pray. Did you notice in the reading of the passage the expansive words that St. Paul uses in this prescription? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Anything and everything. You know what? That includes anything <laughs> And everything. There's nothing that can happen. There's nothing you're dealing with that doesn't fall under the umbrella of anything and everything. Paul says, whatever happens, we have a, we have a prescription. We have a way to deal with that. And so we're not to be anxious about anything. Prescription covers all of our needs. Whatever happens, we're to present our requests known to God. And did you notice the pattern of the prescription?" do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests known to God. There is a formula there. It begins, he says, with prayer and petition. Now, why do you suppose he makes that distinction? I mean, what's the difference in those two? Petition, of course, is a specific request. It's an appeal. It's a plea. It's, it's an expression of our need. And prayer, on the other hand, is a broader concept. Prayer transcends just a list of needs. Prayer includes adoration, praise, thanksgiving. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how the prayer begins. Later we get to give us this day our daily bread. So you don't start with petition. You start with prayer. You start with adoration. You start by focusing first on God. I think that's the point that he's making here, that we start with that. And then he adds this third element, I guess, with thanksgiving. In talking to our Heavenly Father, we're to take note of our blessings as well as our needs. And sometimes just counting our blessings, just stepping back from the problem enough to see all that is good in our life has a way of helping us in that moment. But we also then express our thanks to God. And when we pray, we we need to pray confidently, remembering three things. First of all, we need to remember the love of God. When you're praying, you're not standing before a judge. You don't have to make your case. You are really in the presence of your heavenly Father who loves you. God loves you. And just as a child can take anything, great or small, to a parent, just so we can come to our Heavenly Father. When you pray, remember you are in a a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. Second, when we pray, we remember the wisdom of God. Even now, at my young age, I I still sometimes have a tendency to start telling God (laughs) what I think ought to happen. Uh, he's patient, uh, or I start to describe to God some situation. I had a friend who attended another Nazarene college, and he said that on one occasion a student was leading prayer in their chapel service, and the student was praying in all earnestness and said, Oh, Lord, if you only knew half of what was going on on this campus. (laughs) Well, the Lord knows, not half. The Lord knows everything, Uh, And in his wisdom, God knows how to respond. And so we can trust not just the love of God, but the wisdom of God. And the truth is, we now see through a glass dimly, right? I mean, some things we think, that's really the way it is. It's not really that way. We have to trust the wisdom of God in those moments. So when we pray, we pray to a loving God, a wise God. And the third thing we remember every time we pray is the power of God. God not only loves us and knows, God has the power to respond. In fact, just a few verses later, in this fourth chapter of Philippians, St. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The power of God. In Ephesians, Paul writes that benedictory phrase, Now unto him who is able to do more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. So the problem is anxiety and worry. You can try to hire somebody to worry for you, but that's not going to work. There's a better way. The, the better way is through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present our requests to God confidently, knowing he's a loving God, a wise God, an all-powerful God. And when we do that, then there comes this promise. The promise is there in verse 6. It is the promise of peace. Rather than a life filled with anxiety and dread, God gives us peace. Calm, tranquility, serenity, stillness, harmony, hope, confidence, even in the midst of difficulty. Do you remember that following the death of Jesus, (coughs) the disciples were very anxious, worried. They were frightened, they were confused. Uh, None of what had happened uh, seemed to make sense to them. Jesus was dead. Well, the scriptures tell us, the book of John, that after the resurrection, the disciples gathered together. Listen to this from uh, John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. What was the message of the master to those disciples at the darkest moment of their life? His message was, peace, peace be with you. And that's the promise from Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. To describe this Gift, this result of prayer, Paul uses a very specific word. He uses a military term. Uh, He uses a term that means to stand guard. Uh, William Barclay, the um, great British Bible scholar, made this comment. The result of believing prayer is that the peace of God will stand like a sentinel on guard upon your hearts and minds. What a promise. God is standing guard, watching over you. It's interesting to me (coughs) uh, (coughs) that the promise is for our hearts and our minds. The promise is for how we feel and what we think. This promise of peace. And it's the peace described here as a peace that transcends understanding. Well, what does that mean? It means from a human standpoint, it doesn't make sense. How could you have peace in the midst of storm? How could you have peace in the midst of loss? Well, this is a peace that passes understanding, transcends understanding. Because it is not born, it is not rooted in circumstance. It comes from God above, a loving, wise, and powerful God. This letter, the book of Philippians, was in fact written by St. Paul when he was in prison. This is one of a handful of what's known as the prison epistles. Paul is writing now in the midst of very difficult circumstances. He's under hardship. He has an uncertain future. And yet he writes this verse that the the Lord will stand guard over his heart and mind. There were guards standing over his physical presence. But better than that, he had God standing guard as well. St. Paul (coughs) had not had an easy life. In Corinthians, he writes, (coughs) excuse me, I've been flogged. and have gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. That's his testimony. And now he is in prison. So this plea for peace comes from one who knows what it really means to have peace in the midst of heartache. In fact, it's interesting when you look at the entire book of Philippians, there is a sense of joy and confidence that just kind of breathes its way all the way through. This is called, in fact, an epistle of joy. Because repeatedly, Paul says, rejoice. He has very little to rejoice about, right? Well, that's the peace that passes understanding. So our passage this morning, there is this clear promise that if we follow that formula, prayer, petition with thanksgiving to present our request to God, then we get the benefits of this promise that God will give us a sense of peace, a peace that will stand guard over your heart and your mind. (coughs) I mentioned uh, the song a few moments ago, God Will Take Care of You. That song was written in 1904, over 100 years ago. It was written by a woman named Sevilla Martin. Uh, You probably don't know the name, but you know her song. She wrote... uh, His eye is on the sparrow, for example, and others. Her husband was a minister (coughs) who had been a pastor but also an evangelist. And one Sunday morning, as he was getting ready to leave the house to go to a preaching assignment, he realized that his wife, Sevilla, was was suddenly very ill. And so as he talked to her, he said, I I, I won't go. I'll stay stay with you. And, And he was very concerned about her, as any loved one would be. But as he sang to her, "I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay with you." Their son, middle-aged son, was listening to all this, and finally the son said, "Father, if God wants you to preach today, don't you think He will take care of mother?" And so, pastor went to preach. When he got home later that afternoon, he uh, he realized that his wife was much better. In fact she'd regained her strength enough to write out this poem, God Will Take Care of You. And before they returned in for the night, uh, he sat at the piano in their parlor and began to play the tune, for God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you and you. Beneath his wings of love abide. That's where you need to live, under the wings of God. God will take care of you. Through every day or all the way, God will take care of you. The last verse says this, no matter what may be the test. Just fill in the blank. Anything and everything. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean, weary one. Upon his breast, God will take care of you. The psalmist said, this I know. God is for me. And St. Paul picks up on that conviction and says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't let the concerns of life rob you of your joy and confidence. But with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart want you to hear the passage one more time, but from the message this time. Because you hear it slightly differently when it comes in these words. Do not fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle You settled you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It's a simple message. God will take care of you. As we close, I think we should stand and just sing that first verse and chorus. Sing it to one another. Sing it to the Lord, but sing it to yourself as well. God will take care of us and Will see us through whatever comes. We've seen that in the life of Pastor Andrew this week. God has clearly been at work. And he will continue to be at work. And he will do that for you as well. Let's sing together. Be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. wings of rain. you write that verse at the front of your agenda every day. Let's remain standing for closing prayer.